Welcome to Verso Alto Podcast, a podcast for teens by teens. Today we are joined here with Brogan, and we are again going to talk about obscure sayings. So, Brogan, can you tell us about the sayings telling us today? Yep, we got four sayings for you guys today, and a group of sayings. Since that sense will be the first round we're talking about. Those being the 40 martyrs of Sebaste, otherwise known as the Holy 40. These 40 men were all members of the Roman army, and specifically the Legio Duocim Fulminata, or the 12th Legion Armed Lightning. You sound like you're fully Italian. It was Latin, but okay. Okay. <laughs> close enough. Either way, so all 40 men declared themselves as Christians and were sentenced to death by their prefect. And so on a fiercely cold night in the dead of winter, they were stripped of their armor and clothing and forced out onto a frozen pond to die to the elements. As they stood upon the frozen ice, the soldiers on shore jeered and teased them. They built up bonfires and filled baths with warm water to tempt them to renounce their faith and to join once again their pagan ranks. Um, however, all 40 resisted the temptation as best they could for hours and hours, until eventually one of them ran to shore and jumped into one of the hot baths and died instantly from the shock of going from so cold to so hot. And the 39 others remained on the ice, freezing. As hours passed, one of the soldiers on shore looked out at the faith of these 39 men, and according to his, according to legend, he saw their faith as a brilliant luminescent light surrounding these 39 men. And therefore, he took off his own clothes and armor, declared himself to, as a Christian to the other soldiers on shore, and joined the 39 on the ice, bringing the number back to him. Upon the morning, any of the stiffened bodies that were still alive on the ice were taken ashore, burned to ash, and tossed in a river. And that's the 40 martyr, martyrs of Sebaste. Their feast day is on the 9th of March, and they are the patrons of all persecuted Christians. So he actually like, swam in the water over to the ice after he declared himself great. No, there was no, no, uh, there was like, no water. It was just pure ice. Pure ice. So the guy who went back to shore and jumped in the warm bath, yep. he didn't have to swim or anything. He just ran no, over. He just ran. It's amazing that he would go through that much and then... Like, oh, you take up all your clothes, you're asked a million times to deny your faith. And then you're like, actually, no. And then you get die of shock because. I don't imagine, like, of course, like, you know, martyrdom's definitely no easy thing. But I can live like the mental torment that is going along with well, it's like, we live in Alaska. Right. We know it can get <laughs> cold. Yeah. And you can Recently, like, a lot. If you could put yourself in that situation, like, going yeah. out to one of the lakes or ponds out here buck naked and just like standing on the ice you want to leave too yeah. Yeah. yeah but then if he like didn't attend right before he died then think of that and yeah like he was so close there's always that great temptation especially in the midst of persecution but love these guys a lot and i think they're great states to turn to in the midst of winter especially, especially when if you you're... don't like the cold yeah. You don't like the cold, and you're you're cleaning up your your car from all the snow, yeah, and, yeah, your yeah. Mass and 
or scraping your windshield because it's frozen. Or... And then there's a wind and it just oh, yeah. blows right on you. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, oh. So it, do you pray to them when you're cleaning off your car, Brogan? I think of them a lot when it's snowing. <laughs> it's like we up. had a really bad cold spell here late, right, recently. And, and at our Christmas party, you were, I think you were thinking we're all nuts. All of us that have yeah. lived in Alaska. I've been thinking that a lot. <laughs> it's like, because you know, these guys are part of the Roman army. They've traveled all over the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and they've definitely been this more climate. Right, right. So, yeah, I imagine they're, they're in this place and I'm like, gosh, I wish I, wish I was back <laughs> in Egypt or something like that. I, warm them. I wish people could see you right now with your Santa hat on in the office. Like, there's no windows in here. Plenty of heat. It's nice and warm, but you're still wearing it. So, I'm dedicated to the Advents. Yes, you are. And and I know how you feel being cold. So <laughs> God bless them. All right. So what do you have for us next? All right. Our next saint is St. Odile, although I originally thought it was Odile. Odile. She was the daughter of a very wealthy duke and, and noble family. And she was born blind. And due to her being both female and born blind. Her father didn't want her. However, her mother convinced him to get rid of her. So instead, she was sent to what is modern-day Burgundy and to be raised by peasants. Legend goes that when she was 12 years old, she was taken to a monastery to be baptized. However, the bishop of that region was visited by an angel and told to go to that monastery to baptize her himself. He did as the angel instructed, went to that monastery and baptized her, and immediately she regained her sight. Her younger brother then led her back to her father's house, where her father was so enraged upon her return that he killed his son for bringing her back, apparently accidentally. I don't really know how accidentally kill your son. son. You're mad at But thankfully, Odile stooped down and revived her dead younger brother and then fled home with her father in hot pursuit to the monastery no or did she the led peasants. across the country and fled across the rhine river oh okay to a cliffside which miraculously split open to reveal a cave in which she hid when her father tried to pursue her into the cave, rocks fell from the cliffside and smashed into him injuring him severely he was taken back home However, Odile, in her great love and headstrong faith, took back to her father's house to heal and minister to him. Eventually, he gave up resisting her and eventually supported her in faith. And eventually founding a monastery, which she eventually became abbot, or sorry, abbess of, and eventually was buried at that. It was said that until she died in the year 720, she was renowned for her great miraculous power to cure eye diseases. Therefore, she is the patron of the blind and the partially sighted. And her feast day is on the 13th of December. Ooh. So it just passed. Mm-hmm. Now, her brother, when he was raised from the dead, did their dad try to kill him again? Or No. So again, it was apparently an accident. Yeah, so we didn't, there was no, so, like, he didn't, like, all of a sudden fall or yeah. wake up with a neck chopped off or something. And even, even if it was a purposeful, like, killing of his son, she you know, bring back his hated daughter, I 
killed my son for disobeying me and he just didn't pop back up. I'm just like, okay, yeah, I'm not trying to get. Yeah, but then he chased them. He, or he chased her. Okay. Apparently she flooded. So, I knew the, the father, well, I guess. He technically didn't did kill. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. That sounds like a movie. Going out of cliffs, then they open up into a cave. Sounds like the Red Sea, I mean. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it falls back. You just want to be Moses. Just like you did it with one of the stones. Did the, what's the mom do? It, the last that she's mentioned is that she was the one who took Odile to Bethesda. It's not really mentioned again. All right. Yeah. No, we need like more information. You would need more information, man. Yeah, we want the whole story. Well, to be fair, this <laughs> whole story is happening between six sixty and seven twenty, so the yeah. best records were kept. I, I I got you. Okay, so that was that's a lot of time. She probably didn't live that long. About sixty years old, mm-hmm. if she did. Right. But excellent. And what country was that again? So she was raised in Burgundy, Burg- but she was sent to Burgundy. And Sorry, I'm gonna be close to France or Brussels. Somewhere in Europe. Okay. December thirteenth. So anybody who has like Cadillacs yeah, so or Alsace would have been in the Frankish gotcha. at that time. All right. Next we're gonna we're gonna dive into the Basically, the realm of fairy tales here, but ones that oh, are like real life. Splitting, splitting, you know, caves and rocks and cliffs. And I know, right? like, all the stories of the saints, tale. all these miraculous you know? stories are basically yeah. sound like fairy with... tales. <laughs> yeah. But we're going to dive into one that sounds like straight out of something from the Brothers Grimm. Oh, that's not a one at a time. That's a little hold on to your seas. Yeah. And <laughs> this is a hold on to your seas story. So, this is the story of St. Julian the Hospitality. Who he was said that on the night of his birth, his father bore witness to which is laying a curse on the boy that would fate him to kill both of his parents. His father, once he saw this, wanted to get rid of the child. However, again, his mother convinced him not to and proceeded to raise the boy until he grew into a handsome young man. However, it said that his mother would often burst into tears from remembering the sin that he was fated to commit. He had no idea about this until one day he went off into the woods to hunt, where he encountered a stag with a crucifix in between his antlers. And he was told by, I suppose, an angel, that he was fated to kill both of his parents. Full of sorrow, he returned to his parents and said that he would never commit such a sin and that he would go off to live his own life, great faith in Christ, and full of courage. And so he did just that. He left home and ventured out into the world to make his own life. He eventually found a uh, wealthy widow who was uh, said to be a very good woman. They were married and lived peacefully for 20 years until eventually his parents said, hey, it's been a while since we've seen our son fated to kill us. Let's go find him. <laughs> and so they ventured off and came to visit the altar of St. James. Uh, after leaving the church, they met a woman sitting on a chair outside who just happened to be the wife of their son. And after talking, she figured out who they were and invited them back to 
house. At the time, her husband, St. Julian, was out hunting. And so she brought them inside, fed them, and sent them off to bed because they were so weary of travels. While St. Julian was hunting, he was visited by the devil who told him that his wife was unfaithful and that she was at that moment in bed with another man. Outraged, he returned home in the dead of night to find two figures in his bed, thinking that it was his wife and her lover. He killed both of them. However, upon the morning he found out who they were, he was broken by what he had done and vowed to live the rest of his life in service and humility. And therefore, he and his wife sold all they had, sold their house, and ventured off along one of the most traveled roads and set up a hospice at the edge of a river where Julian dedicated himself every single day to hunting and helping people cross the river and being the host to whomever was traveling. Hence him being the patron saint of travelers among a great many other things. It said that as he continued this, he was put to the test once again by the devil. Is that it said that since he attended to the sick travelers who went along the way, the devil who conspired against him dressed himself as a weak pilgrim and was led in by Julian, those that ran the hospice. And at midnight he awoke to the entire hospice being made a mess, things being stolen, things broken, the entire place ransacked. And once Julian saw this damage, he vowed to never again take in anybody until another weary traveler came over mm. and came to Julian begged shelter from But it said that St. Julian said, I shall not let you in. Go away. For the other night I had my home vandalized and I shall never let another person in. And the old man who was there said, hold my walking suit. Julian embarrassed, went to take the walking stick, and it stuck to his hands. He couldn't let go of it. Julian recognized the old once as being Sky's Christ and instantly uh, repented for having failed to be of service and once again opened his hospice to all weary travelers. And eventually, after sorry, right after he recognized who Christ was, he knelt down before him and begged forgiveness for what he had done to his parents. Mm. To which he was forgiven. Okay, good. I was going to ask, when was he forgiven for that? Not just, you know, relocation and try and make amends, you know. But, so how many how many chances did this guy get? Like, yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, this is a, he is an excellent sign of, despite, you know, yeah. committing horrible, horrible sin. He is nonetheless absolute great saint. Like, his list of bridge is like 50 things long. He's a patron of boatmen, carnival workers, childless people, circus workers, clowns, ferrymen, fiddlers, fiddle players, hospital, hospitalers, hospitality ministers, hotel keepers, hunters, keepers, jugglers, knights, murderers, pilgrims, shepherds, <laughs> patrons to obtain lodging, traveling, travelers, and wandering musicians. Okay, so I thought that throughout that entire list, I heard jugglers and Mari heard murderers. Yes. <laughs> what did you hear, Sasia? All the things. That... All the things. I also <laughs> heard childless. Oh, yes. Child, childless people. Wow. That's a long list. 
That's for sure. Like just so I can mean like the great sin, both against his parents and against Christ himself. Yeah. He was nonetheless a patron of so many different things. Basically, anything that has traveling with a living. Mm-hmm. A lot of hospitality some... too. Yes. A lot of hospitality. It's okay. a reminder that we we just that's all we have to do. Yeah. Anything. I mean, God will forgive you of anything. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow, that's a cool one. And then you can go on to be the patron of 50 different things. Yeah. yeah. If there's any more 50 different things, <laughs> yeah. be a patron. And so you can always, I know he's a part of my big three when traveling. So St. Raphael, St. Christopher, and St. Julian are always my go-to. Mm-hmm. My good, good. Awesome. It's always good to hear about different saints. I love that. Not just like the big three, like you said, mm-hmm. but you know, the, your big three. Like St. Christopher, everybody knows St. Right. Christopher. Right. Travelers. Yeah, very nice. St. Raphael, he's an archangel and in right. the Bible, so mm-hmm. pretty popular. But St. Julian, Great. The next one is a, also an excellent story. Killable St. Erasmus, or St. Elmo. And trust me, he's way better than the evil little red doll. <laughs> I mean, Don't the one on Sesame Street. Yes. Okay. I'm not even going to try to. Nope. <laughs> my voice is. Tell the whole story in that voice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Oh, sorry. I forgot to mention. St. Julian's feast day is on the 12th. So he is. All right. Coming up. Okay. So St. Elmo, the unkillable saint, was the bishop of Formia, Italy, persecution against the Christians under the emperor Diocletian and. Maximilian Hercules. Under the reign of Diocletian, left his diocese of Formia and went to Erasmus, where he hid for seven years. However, at the end of those seven years, an angel appeared to him and counseled him to return to his diocese to minister to it once more. On the way, he encountered some Roman soldiers who questioned him. He admitted that he was a Christian, and they brought him to trial in Antioch before the emperor himself. And after suffering terrible tortures at his hands, he was bound in chains and thrown into prison. But it said that an angel appeared to him once again and set him free. He passed through Lycia, where he raised up an illustrious citizen. And this resulted in the baptism of many pagans, which drew, of course, the attention of Rome and the new emperor, Maximilian Hercules, who was, according to his records much worse than Diocletian. He had him arrested, and he confessed his fate. They forced him to go before one of the temples of their gods, but along uh, the entire route, all of the stone idols fell and were destroyed. And once they arrived before the temple, fire came out and consumed the pagans that brought him there. So the so entire cool. way he brought before this temple, just. All the stone aisles fall before him and fall before his faith and the presence of Christ within him. And then fire bursts forth from their pagan temple and consumes those that <laughs> attempted to break his faith. Hope another it movie. This is another movie. I know, right? Oh my goodness. Hollywood, get on the same shit. But it's not over yet. Of course, all the idols being destroyed and several pagans being consumed by fire enraged the Emperor. Sorry. Enraged and so much so that he 
had Erasmus enclosed in a barrel filled with inward-facing spikes mm-hmm. and rolled down a hill. Ow. Yeah. And again, an angel had a hand within his tortures and was said to have healed him of all these wounds so that when they opened the barrel at the bottom of the hill, he popped out fine and escaped yet again. But he was recaptured and was brought before the emperor and beaten and whipped, then coated pitch or par and set on fire. Ow. Just like in... Just like in Nero's <clears throat> However, he survived. And yet again. Was, <laughs> yet again. How, how many does that make so far? Gosh. I think that's six. Yeah, six. That's five or six. Uh, okay. yeah. six. He was thrown into prison again with no intention of letting him go. They intended to starve him to death since nothing else seemed to work. Uh, seemed to work. But he manages to escape again. <laughs> this man is the Houdini of Saints. But final time. He was recaptured in the Roman prop of Ennis uh, for boldly preaching and converting numerous pagans to Christianity. Finally, his death came about after being recaptured and being tied down and his stomach being split open, then his intestines being tied around a witless, signifying his patronage over sailors and stomach aches, particularly abdominal pain. Quite the same. Yeah, quite the same. I noticed a parallel thing. He was in hiding for seven years, you said, and then he was tortured and tortured seven times. Yeah, you're, you're right. So there. maybe he wouldn't have fit in. Maybe, possibly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe. I, know, I would say he was probably called out of his hiding to suffer. Yeah. Like that's the calling of a saint is a, to live a life of sanctified suffering. And he is the patron, as I said, of sailors, colic, and children. Mm-hmm. He is the patron of Formia in that diocese, the patron of test ailments and diseases. Anybody who needs And labor pain. <laughs> oh, labor pain. Oh. Well, I can never, I, mean, I visualize the whole intestine pain. <laughs> I don't think like, Seriously. Nobody's going to want to sail that boat after. That's. I mean, a see, technically, like a second class. Yeah, true. I sailed on a second class. You know Right, right, exactly. And his speech Of course, Mari would think of. Mari is. She just did. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. That's your homework. Right. It's an old, old. The Shirley Temple. Maybe not. Maybe no, not that was honest. no. That wasn't Polly. Uh, she wasn't Pollyanna. She was. She was Shirley Temple. Okay. Um, but yeah, Pollyanna. She played the glad game. No matter what happened, she could always find something to be glad about. You know? Thank you. Say that because of the world these days. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I say that definitely because of the world. Maria was Pollyanna there too. Okay, so besides intestine hanging from a windlass. All right. So is he the, what is he the patron saint of people intestinal disease? You've got to have labor pain. Sailors, Sailors. and colic and children. Oh, okay. Great. And what's his feast day? 
June 2nd. June 2nd. Excellent saint to turn to. Yeah. Let's imagine Levine, like, being called to do that and you're, like, don't know what's going to happen next. And you just have all these torches to go through and you haven't died yet. And you're like, yeah. like when, when, when is yeah, the death coming? The most is that if you feel sick to your stomach while you're reading his story, you can pray to him. Pray to him? Yeah, that's what's going to happen. You should have told us this before you told us the story. <laughs> well, I have one more for you guys. Okay. And that being the good St. Winifred. Was born sometime in the seventh century. It is the just says now against unwanted advances. Ooh. People you don't want to uh, So as her story goes, she was the daughter of a Welsh nobleman and the daughter of the niece of Saint Bano. That's E U N. But according to Let, she wanted to become a nun. However, being the daughter of a noble family, she was destined to be married and had a suitor mm-hmm. pining for her. And once her suitor found out about this, needless to say, he wasn't very happy about it and gave her an ultimatum, basically. He drew his sword, put it to her throat, and said, either you marry me or you die. And in her great faith and following her vocation in life, she declared that she would become a and he swung the sword and killed her on the spot and decapitated her. But oh my goodness, I was like, "This guy is what?" This story is not over. This story is over. Whoa! So many takes. Not over. It's not over. Okay, go on. So wherever her head landed, it said that a healing spring sprang forth right out on that spot. And another movie. I know, right? It could be. And. Well, with her at that time was her great uncle, Saint, should say Bueno. That Bueno's good. Yeah, same Bueno. Had her head restored to her body. Oh my goodness. And she lived. Wow. I wonder if she felt all that pain. Because when you beheaded, uh, like you're still you somewhat alive yeah. in a yeah. weird sense, and then all of a sudden your head just put back in the This is Saint Dennis of Paris. God, oh my god. By the way, so her head was restored to her body. She was. Back to life, uh-huh. and seeing and her sitter fainted. No, he walked. <laughs> he walked away at that point, and it was. It's said to have been smugly leaning against stone, and Saint Winifred's great uncle Saint Winifred, saw him leaning there in his with a smug smile on his face, and with his sword. And Saint Winifred called unto heaven, and the earth opened beneath him <laughs> and swallowed <laughs> him whole. That's <laughs> been so. Yes, that was my evil. <laughs> and St. Winifred, her great faith, walked away from being beheaded and went on to follow God's will, becoming a nun and eventually an abbess. Wow. And okay. the spring that is at the place where she almost died is still there to this day. It's called St. Winifred. Well, wow. I was going to ask about this spring. Is it still there? Yeah, it's Imagine still there. telling like her vocation story. <laughs> Like, yeah, I'm just like, yeah, like, and this man was pursuing me, and I didn't want to marry him, and he threatened to cut off my head. But then all of a sudden, my great uncle, who's a saint, just put my head back on. And I don't know, you're right. like, you know, my great uncle, yeah, he just like, oh my god, casually goodness. restored my head. You know, my ex, old husband, yeah, he got swallowed up. <laughs> yeah, 
And so don't crossfade. You never know. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. You're right. That vocation story would be, oh, okay, well, maybe I'm not worthy to be, a, you know, a, yeah, We have a, a theme today. Right and the earth opening and resurrections. Yeah. That's yeah. a that's a really interesting combination you have there, too. I can visualize every single one of those as a film. I said, if I ever had the, I guess, calling to become a maker or something like that, I'd probably write the stories, but the saints would be where I turn to with over 10,000 right. canonized Catholic saints, like saints, not even getting into the blessings. Right, or right, the exactly. Yeah. The movies you can get out of Absolutely. these amazing men and women of faith, true stories. Right, right. That would inspire, like that's the one of the main persons mm-hmm. to inspire. And you, you know what? You never know what producers or directors or even writers are that are out there that have actually read the lives of the saints and are using those. What has happened? My sister is a writer. She writes screenplays and books, and trilogies, and everything. And sometimes I think to myself, where does she get these ideas? Like, this is insane. You know, I shared a room with her when we were little kids. I know mm-hmm. what she read, you know, and now I read what she writes and it's incredible. So it's probably because she read the lives of the saints. Yeah, I was just saying, I, I like, I love to write. That's one of my main hobbies and errisms is writing, mostly in fiction. And that's why I love. Oh, this, this is, is why it. I'm giving these podcasts. Right. So yeah. Because so we love, ha- I love these. Love stories. the podcast. Yeah. So. Keep coming. So we're going to do another one like next month, right? Program. So we'll do another Obscure Saints next month. This is January. We are still in the Christmas season. This Sunday is going to be the Epiphany. And hopefully we will publish this this podcast on Friday, which will be tomorrow. So we are not on a regular schedule, people. So if you are listening to our podcast next Expecting us to publish one every single Friday. We are dealing with a bunch of teenagers that have a lot of obscure schedules and serious homework. And, you know, so we're, we're, we're trying to get them in here. They're on vacation right now. So we're, we, we kind of stole Sophia Murray after mass this morning and said, Hey, we need to do. So thank you, Brogan. That was incredible. I'm going to probably have a couple of nightmares tonight. So Ukraine, who's patron saint of sleep? I don't know. Off the top of my head. Probably the Blessed Mother. But anyway, <laughs> Sophia, you want to end with the things? Yes. Um, first, before we end our podcast, let's all go around and say our favorite Christmas present or activity or anything that you really loved about this Christmas. Brogan, do you so far. Still so far. Yeah. Well, this has been the first white Christmas I've had in a long time. Down in Texas, you don't get much snow, and especially four feet of it. Mm-hmm. So it was fun to enjoy the snow for what areas I can enjoy it, mostly in sledding, but also learning a lot about it and the different kinds of snow that can harass my day. <laughs> so yeah, definitely focusing on the martyrs of Sabas Day this, these next few months. Yes. Well, it was a great Christmas. Good. Um, my favorite Christmas present this year was having my kids home and I haven't seen my daughter in a while. So that was lovely. And I got a tractor. So that'll be a different podcast. Because there's a million YouTube videos on tractors. So if you don't know what a tractor is, 
this was Sophia. My first lovely Christmas. <laughs> yes, yeah. that was strange. We went to it was Rome. interesting, yeah. My sister was studying abroad and her family met up with her for her last few days on her visa and spent days just doing whatever we wanted and visited all the churches and basilicas and everything. And we will do a podcast on our trip to Rome. But yeah, it was our first Christmas without snow and it was strange. Yeah, they it's do different. celebrate Christmas a lot longer than the U.S. does, which we really like. So yeah, we've always done. Well, being Italian myself, I know we have, you know, we celebrate St. Nicholas Day on December 6th and mm-hmm. then Christmas Day and then the Epiphany. So we get three Christmases. Um, yeah. I, I think Italians do it right. And I went to Italy this year, too, so I can't wait to do the next podcast with you ladies and talk about our favorite things about Italy. And so that will be our next podcast. Yeah. Great. And the things. Please like, subscribe, and share with others. Comment if you enjoy. And if you have any future ideas or questions or anything you want to let us know about, please let us know in the comments. And our Facebook page. Oh, yeah. Facebook page. Verso Alto Podcast. And then send us a prayer request at our email address, which is versoaltopodcast at gmail.com. And our website, versoaltopodcast.com. There you go. <laughs> so any anytime you need to get a hold of us, you can also go to the St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish website or the St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish Facebook page. And we appreciate all of you listening and We love your prayers and your prayer requests, so please keep sending those in. Brogan, thank you again for being here. Love the hat. I'm going to have to take a picture of you and put it on our website so so people can see who we're talking about. Since you're an adult, I'm not going to make it into a a meme. So uh, anyway, should we close with prayer? Mari, would you close us with prayer? Sure. (laughs) Okay. Dear God, thank you for this opportunity to learn about your holy saints, especially the martyrs with their great courage and their example that we can look up to in faith. St. Michael, help us to fight every day for Christ, even when we feel that there's no other choice. And Help us to live every day for St. Michael, the Archangel, the Tennis, protection against the wickedness and snares the all right, God bless you all. 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 All right, God bless you all.